I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the- Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are joined now by Joshi to talk about all things Manchester United. Of course, you can find him on Twitter doing much of the same, at Doc underscore Joshi. Uh, very pleased to have you on, although I realize it's a little bit tough uh, after today's Cardiff match. Um, but maybe the mood wasn't changed that much by that because things haven't been great at the club on the whole for the last few weeks. Uh, but hopefully that won't taint your season review too much. But looking back on 2018-19, it was certainly eventful. But what did you make of the season on the whole? Uh, on the whole, I mean, I think it's it's the worst season since Ferguson left. It's not the worst season since I started following United because... Um, when I started following, I think we had a few like 11th, 13th, 13th. We finished mm. one season second and then 13th again. And then we started picking up and going up. And then that's when, and then a few years later, we won the league. So, but so we've had some poorer seasons, but this is the worst since Ferguson retired. Um, even though David Moyes, you know, we finished seventh and whatnot, it's just obviously we only signed Fellaini and Matter not exactly inspiring signings and also David Moyes had just been sacked. So there was always that kind of hope that someone better would come in. Um, So now at the end of this season, you know, it's difficult to describe. I'm utterly kind of just disappointed in the state of the club. It's kind of been an eye-opening season in that front. I think up until this season, it's been all about, you know, well, there are the conditions there for this, this, for, for, for a certain way of doing things, but are they there for the manager? The manager hasn't delivered. And, you, you know, like Jose Mourinho, he was, I massively backed him. Um, but by the time he was sacked, you, you can't, his position was untenable. The results just weren't there. You can't back that. Um, and, and you can't, you know, you can't argue with anyone who sacks him. It, it, you know, when you're, when the, when the, um, given the position the club were in that being said i think anybody that comes into this club right now with the structure of it and and the way in which it's run um the whole culture and you know purpose around the club it's just it's completely wrong it's totally upside down and anyone who comes in is going to just end up failing because they don't have the we we don't have the structure in place or or a system or whatever you want to call it in place to support the footballing side of the club let alone allow the footballing side of the club to drive it and lead it which is what it what what we should be doing so this season has been a you know not a write-off because you can't write it off it's there it's happening and it impacts on everything we're doing 
but it's definitely one of the most disappointing seasons I've kind of been involved in. And, and what makes it worse actually is that the players are so unlikable. You know, there's one thing where you you might not be good enough, um, but we do have talented players. But you just see a it's like a lack of there's a lack of intensity, a lack of purpose, and I think there's a a, a, a lack of not not necessarily a lack of effort, but a lack of urgency and work rate. I think they they try, but it's just they're you know the ones that aren't good enough get found out, and the ones that are good enough they don't they don't have players around them to do well, and then they just don't have the the mentality to go on and actually affect the game themselves. So it's been really really disappointing. If you had to give a, a letter grade on it for the year, or, or if you felt so inclined, if you wanted to split it between the Mourinho and the uh, Solskjaer errors, what, what would you give it? Um, I think you've got to give it an overall grade, right? You can't, I mean, I know Solskjaer's come in, he's he was supposed to be an interim, but, you know, the season is poor because of the overall state of the club, not because of any one pan- manager or any one player. Um, so, I mean, look, this is, this is an utter fail. So you're looking way, way. It's not, you know, uh, what's a what's a passing grade? We've not even hit a passing grade. This is not what the level of anywhere near what we expect. So, you know, a D, E, F. I, I, this is the kind of season where you kind of just go, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, except for like a three-month period when Solskjaer was appointed. So... It's fairly crap, to be honest. There's no, I mean, there's no point putting in a, a, a letter because it just depends on what you're giving. It's, you balance the expectations. It's like a ratio of the good months versus the bad ones. Yeah, it's just... it's just, But, but the end result is awful, right? So, yeah. I don't know. You give... It just overall just crap, really. This is the kind of thing. If, you do, if, you, if you're going to use the uh, exams analogy, this is kind of like a redo the year reset your exams kind of held <laughs> back a year type type end result well fortunately you will get to try again next year that is the uh, benefit of the premier league unless you get relegated which you did avoid um so maybe it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i do i am putting it in perspectives because i'm sure like the relegated clubs you know they might be like oh we had a really bad year and they're relegated and things like that but you know it's it is around expectation um as well so you know you don't expect Huddersfield to win the league so and actually at the beginning of the season they probably their goal would be to avoid relegation they didn't quite make it but they've had a great time in this in the Premier League and and I think they probably they aren't happy with it but they're probably not as pissed off or angry about it disappointed maybe but not you know not not pissed off and angry I don't know actually (laughs) because you know I don't know any Huddersfield fans, but you know what I mean? You sort of balance out the expectations mm. versus what you ended up doing. Yeah. Like if City only won the League Cup this year. It would have been disappointing. That's a that's a failure, right, on their part, given the amount that's been spent and with Guardiola and, and all that kind of stuff. Similar with Liverpool, if they don't win anything by the end of the year, that's a failure. No matter how well they've done in the league. I think it's still a failure given the amount they've spent, like a billion euros since 2010, 300 million odd in, in the summer and or in the last two transfer windows or something like that. Klopp spent quite a lot of money, 
uh, yes, he's done a fantastic job. Um, but it, it means nothing if you're not bringing in silverware at that level, right? So we're not, again, we're not talking about, let's Huddersfield, Cardiff. We're talking about Liverpool having spent a lot of money. Mm. Um, for United, we, we kind of talked about that average on the whole. Uh, what would you say was the lowest point of the season and what was the highest? The lowest point of the season, I think, is it's like it's, it's today. It's too. It, it, it's just the season has ended on such a flat note. Yes, it, it was bad under Jose Mourinho, but once he sacked, you kind of have this element of kind of hope we might sort it out or or whatever uh, but actually the realization that he wasn't the only problem is also making everything worse and then today and um last weekend and just the last few weeks have been just so shit it's unbelievable um and, and what we lost against cardiff this weekend they're relegated or they were relegated already and we lost against huddersfield the other day they're relegated already um and actually if we'd have beaten both of those teams we'd have pipped spurs to fourth place i mean i know you you can't say that it's it's all ifs ands or buts but if you were to if every other result had stayed the same united would be on 72 points and tottenham would be fifth Mm. so it kind of when you put it like that you just go what and it's against relegated sides not sides fighting for relegation They've already been relegated, so they've got nothing to play for. And we've kind of ballsed it up. So It kind of it, felt it, like United that, had nothing to play for, even though you obviously had very much to. Today, yeah, we had nothing to play for. But I mean, if like against it, you know, once we lost against Huddersfield, it was over, right? The season was done. So that's maybe the low. But it but today, home match, where's the pride? You don't see much pride on the pitch. The best player on the pitch was Mason Greenwood making his first start. For United, 17 years old, and he was head and shoulders above everyone in terms of effort, application. Um, you know, he he had he created opportunities for himself. He, he didn't get the goal in the end that he probably deserved, but he had a good game. Not spectacular, but he was still better than everyone else uh, in, in a red shirt. So it just says a lot about the team. And we're not talking about a team that had a bunch of duffs in it. You've got like it's we started with Pogba. Rashford, Lingard, you know, these are experienced. Rashford's young, but he's been in the side for a while. Pogba and Lingard experienced players. Um, so, you know, it, the only players that you can kind of look at today and go, yeah, all right, they they, they held their own were and, and sort of played with a bit of pride were the young, the really young guys uh, who were Mason Greenwood, Scott McTominay, Diogo Dalot. He didn't have the best game, but he put his... He, he he put his you know he put his effort in. You could see that he cared about the match. Uh, and then uh, Angel Gomez came on and he he did quite well. Very young player as well, seventeen I think. So you know those guys are the ones that really that stood out. Whilst everyone else is more experienced and whatever, that is still the same rubbish and nonsense. So very disappointing. Even though I wasn't expecting much, to be honest. Yeah, conversely, what would you say was the high point for the season? Would it have been that PSG match? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it has to be, doesn't it? It was an unprecedented comeback. I mean, it was at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weirdly, it ended up happening a lot. Yeah, at the time, you know, it, we were 
you know, nobody had come back in terms of that first leg deficit um, at home and one away from home like that before. Um, Rashford was a key player in, in, in the matches, obviously scoring the winning penalty. It was about the drama. Um, you know, up until that point, the only loss we'd had was against PSG in the first leg. And ultimately, because we won the seconds and won the tie, that even that loss didn't really count if that makes sense although obviously it still goes down as a loss um so yeah it was you know we were on a crest of a wave and then after that things just fell apart just it's very difficult to explain i mean i think there are a few things you can put that down to but yeah but that's that's got to be the high i mean that was incredible like the the i mean i, I didn't go to the match but uh, you know i was watching it at home and just the buzz was amazing and um it was just like the drama of it all it just felt like an like a united game from when we were actually good (laughs) you know just like lots of drama great story um and and it was uh we had a quite a few homegrown players in the team so it, it was just like really yeah definitely the highlight of the season although you know it's it's kind of didn't mean anything in the end. So, you know, again, sums up the season as well. Highlight, that doesn't mean much. Hmm. A bit like when under, was it under Moore? No, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was under Moyes. We, Patrice, no, it wasn't under Moyes, but when Patrice, yeah, it was, it was, sorry. When Patrice Everest scored against Bayern Munich in the Allianz Arena hmm. for those like 12 seconds because they went down the other end and they equalized. <laughs> it was like the highlight of the season. And, and that was it for 12 seconds. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very curious about this next one. I was going to ask you about your player of the year and young player of the year, but a lot of United's yeah. players went through really hot and cold stretches. I know Martial had like two months where he was basically unplayable. Then Rashford was really hot basically from the end of Mourinho into the beginning of, um, uh, Solskjaer's tenure you had Pogba who had a good two months where he was just scoring and assisting everything but a lot of times they weren't always coinciding and they weren't yeah. season long so curious on the balance who you think was the best player for United this year I think look, again it was inconsistent yes and also you know he's been caught up in the ups and downs of the team but I think if you looked at it Paul Pogba had an, did have that outstanding spell um, when Solskjaer came in. He's, he's the highest scoring and he's the most productive central midfielder in the top five leagues in Europe. He's actually our top goal scorer and top assist maker. Um, and he's playing from central midfield and he only did, the, you know, he only had like a three month period. Where he's doing. So I think he's been one of our best players. He was, he's been our best player, but, Actually, it was only it was for too short a period of time. Um, if you want to look at over the course of the season, Luke Shaw won it, which I thought I, that was a real surprise because I think that's basically he won it because he played almost every game as opposed to he was our best player. <laughs> that's how low the standard is at the moment. Well, I would have given it to like Victor Victor Lindelof. Um, yeah, he, he was. I mean, it, it seemed weird to say that a defense our worst defense in Premier League history and for a long time before that actually um and I'm picking a cent- the center back from that but he's had a good individual season not not outstanding not like a rock at the back not 
I'm not saying he's world class, but in the context of our season and the and the players that have played, he's had a fairly consistent season. He started off a little bit shaky, but then he's he put in some really outstanding performances. Um, he was excellent against Mbappe in Paris. Um, he's he's had some he's had some good, really good, solid performances. He was excellent excellent against Liverpool at Old Trafford. Oh, no, hang on. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's just generally had a decent season um, and has improved a lot and actually come now, you know, by the end of the season, he's our, I would say, our best centre-back and, and definitely one of very few that we should be keeping a hold of. Um, so, yeah, I would have probably given it to him as player of the season. Although, as I've said, it's a very low bar. So, yeah. Mm. Um. We'll go from there into a conversation. Oh, Sorry, what? I didn't do young player of the season. Oh, okay. I'll, be, I'll, I'll say fairly, that one's fairly easy for me. It's Scott McTominay. Um, we've got quite a few young players like Diogo Dalot, but he didn't play as much as McTominay. Rashford, obviously, but he's he was hot and cold, as he said. Martial's fairly young, but again, hot and cold. But Scott McTominay, I think every, he didn't play every single match, but second half of the season... He was a lot more. He was in the side a lot more, and he's actually very composed and 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 played much more maturely than a lot of other a lot of the more senior players. So, you know, I think he's had a again. He can hold his head high. Um, picked up a couple of goals as well. Um, and that's not his main purpose in the side, but you know, it's always nice. I think again, like I said with Victor Lindelof, not not spectacular, not world class or anything like that, and he's not. I don't think. Um, he's he's going to be world class either, but he's he's going to he, he's done really well and he's 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 had a good season. So he'd be my young player of the year. Makes sense. Uh, then we need to have a conversation that unfortunately we've had multiple times throughout the past few weeks, um, which is about Solskjaer's coming in. There, there, many people have connected the dots that this dip in form has coincided with the second he was announced as permanent manager. Um, we had Koss on earlier this season talking about um, how it's not just one-to-one, you know, correlation instead of causation, etc. Yeah. In your opinion, why do you think that this has happened and, and how much blame do you think should be laid at Solskjaer's feet? So a few things. Like, So when he was announced, I was kind of, I was a bit annoyed actually, right? Because, and actually I just said, this is just another bit of evidence that the Glazers and Woodward don't know what, what they're doing um because i felt like they went for a sentimental person coming in that being said uh you know people are like it's only interim he's coming in just to kind of hold the reins and make sure we don't get relegated by the end of the season and and then the whole rebuild is happening and i'm kind of going yeah but with the glazers you never know what's going to happen with that but then we went on this amazing run you know the team felt it felt kind of like how I'd watched United for a long time. It was free-flowing. There was good, high-intensity. Um, uh, you know, it was a really good It was really good football. Um, and then, obviously, as you say, he was. we beat PSG in Paris, and he was give, then given the permanent role, which I thought was a mistake. It's easy to say that in hindsight. I mean, I think at the time, people were clamoring for his... Uh, 
for him to be appointed. I mean, like you had Rio Ferdinand, you had Gary Neville, you had a, you know, and then you had all these voices in the media saying, "What more does he need to do?" Um, you know, but I think you saw quite a few United fans also kind of going, "Well, wait till the end of the season. There's no need to rock the sh- rock the boat." Then he signed the permanent deal, and then obviously it all went a little bit flat. Um, and I think, like you say, I think it's more correlation than causation. But I think also um, there might, you know, it's difficult to say, but it, there there will have been some kind of uh, reaction to him being made permanent. I think when you're interim, the players can be like, okay, well, we'll listen to Ollie, we'll do what we need to do, we're doing well, crack on, then and, and we'll see how it goes. And you know, someone like Paul Pogba. You know, maybe he's thinking, well, you know, Ollie's not the greatest manager ever that's ever walked the earth, but, you know, he's come in and he's doing well. I'll, I'll follow it till the summer. Then he's made permanent. And there may be that psychological, a little bit of that psychological going, oh, what's going on here kind of thing. The other thing is, I think this is a big factor as well, is if you, you know what, I mean, I'm not saying you watch United closely, but if you do, you'll know, you'll have noticed that in the first period when we were winning matches, we were playing very high intensity, high paced football. And ultimately that this team are, the conditioning is so poor Mm. that they just can't do that anymore. If you see against Barcelona away, we, we did that for 30, 30 minutes and then it just, we, we crumbled. And in the last few, even today we started well, um, really on the front foot, not, not battering them, but we were, you know, we were, we were the better side. And then, then they came back into it. We just don't have the, this team is, hasn't got the conditioning and the fitness to play, play that level, that type of football, which is unacceptable to be honest with you, because, you know, Solskjaer came in and one of the things he said was, you know, no matter how good you are, we should not be outworked by the other team. Right. And, and since it wasn't actually since the PSG win, there were a few fixtures in the lead up to that where we where this was kind of coming. Um, we weren't as much on the front foot. We weren't pressuring people. We weren't, um, you know, in playing in their half, and we weren't sort of closing down because the team just can't do it. They're they're not fit enough, um, and, and I think that's also played a part uh, in this. And then you've had things like De Gea's contract negotiation. So he's been distracted i don't know if you can say distracted because still you should be on the pitch but there's something's happened with his him mentally he's you know even you know his shot stoppings but he's making ridiculous mistakes mm. um and then you've got alexis sanchez i just don't know what's going on but you know he's something completely wrong with it there's just so many different factors and then and obviously one result is bad, then another is bad, and then it's kind of it becomes it snowballs, and then then the then that this toxic atmosphere comes back, and it and it kind of just picks up from there. Uh, in terms of blame, I, I'm not going to lay a lot of blame at Solskjaer's door. I think you know he was he came in interim, did really well for a point, was offered the job. What's he supposed to say? No, um, he took the job, and and yeah, I mean you blame him for individual decisions and matches and team selections and you can do that and tactical setups stuff like that but you can't blame him for for where the club is and the situation we're in you can't blame him for missing out on top four that damage was done before he arrived he was the only well as you you said though i mean if you win the last two matches it is you 
Yeah, no, what I'm saying, but not missing out, right? So what I'm saying is he's he's the one that got us in the conversation. I'm talking about over the context of the season. Ah, fair. So, you know, and also, you know, I'm talking about the context of the club, uh, you know, club structure, the whole, the you know, everything going on in the club internally. That's not on him. He's come in halfway, not even halfway, well, halfway through the season, let's say, and he's been asked to steady a ship that's leaking from all over the place. And he did a great job initially. And then obviously things have gone to shit, basically. And yes, I think that I think Woodward and whoever makes the decisions beyond that jumped the gun a bit, announced um, offering him the role. You know, it was a again a sentimental. It was a sentimental appointment. It was like what I just don't see why they needed they couldn't wait until the end of the season. You know, I'm not saying when, you know, I wasn't out in force going to kind of going, oh, why have they given him the permanent job, blah, blah, blah. You know, you kind of get caught up in it as a fan. But, I, you know, I'm a fan. I'm not here. I'm not in the club making decisions. I'm, you know, that should be objective. You should be making them for the right reasons, not because he's gone on a 15 game winning run or mostly winning run. You know, it should be. And this, again, points towards the lack of a plan and the lack of a uh, a focus on the football side of things so yeah it's all all pretty crap at the moment in terms of the way the club is being run and and that again is is a symptom of it so yeah i i, I think Solskjaer takes blame for recent things in in to a point but i wouldn't kind of attack him for it you know he's still it's kind of almost there are too, so many factors that have contributed to this situation that and the fact that he's also he's got so much credit in the bank for the stuff that he, for the for what he did for us as a player and mm. for that sort of run at the beginning when he came in you kind of I can't sit here and attack him although ultimately you you know I would say in, with previous managers I've said look the buck stops with the manager but with with Solskjaer it's kind of like well he's not had a transfer window where he's been allowed to bring players in he's not um, you know we don't know what he's going to do he's made some we don't know if it was him that endorsed the new contracts for like ashley young chris smalling phil jones you know because he was still interim at that time so there's so many things so many factors um it's hard for me to sit here and just totally rip him apart there's way more going on above him that needs to be sorted out and i don't know how that's going to be sorted out Mm. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your reaction to some of those decisions as a fan, not not automatically being negative at the start. Reminds me of an excellent quote in American sports. Um, I forget who it was, but I think it was the Denver Broncos jam at one point that said, uh, if you make your decisions based on what the fans want, you'll be sitting with them. Yeah, <clears throat> like, I mean, I if you get that many wrong decisions, you'll, <laughs> you are going to be in charge much longer, which leads to the next question, which is the past, what, three or four years, basically post-Fergie, has not gone the way you wanted. You did get the Europa League title. Didn't you pick up another trophy elsewhere? Yeah, Mir- yeah Mourinho won the League Cup and the uh, Europa League, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lost an FA Cup final. Hmm. Um, so, but, but that's still not to the standard of United discussing expectations like we did earlier in the show. All of that has happened under the Glazers, under Woodward. How much longer can they make mistakes like this and still be in charge and is there any path to accountability or is it just be frustrated and hope something changes 
Um, I think well, there's a few things in that. So the decline has been there happening for a long time, right? It's beyond, it's, it's way before when, before Ferguson left. Um, it's just that Ferguson was such a good manager. He was able to sort of hold it together, hold it together, take the, take aging players and squeeze the best out of them. Uh, and also he was given Robin Van Persie for his final season. Um, so there's that, right? The other thing is with, with the Glazers and, and Woodward is and the, so the reason the decline is there and also the reason why I don't think that anything will change while they're still there is at the moment under their ownership, the club's purpose is to make money for them, right? Their driving purpose is that. So therefore, the culture is around that. That's why you have Edward Woodward mouthing off about we can do things in the transfer market other people can't. That's why we're we're kind of going for these big, um, maybe not big name, but kind of like marketable players uh, and people and and trying to shoehorn them into a side and pay money to get the likes of Di Maria, Falcao, um, Sanchez into this side when you know when that's quite there's a lot of money being spent there and 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 yet it's not it's not panned out it's not working out well and when the money is driving decisions you get things like you know the stadium is falling apart the 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 footballing structure isn't there um there's no plan for the footballing structure so you get one manager in wants this you know get another manager in wants something else and and but even then you're forcing players on them and Ed Woodward is making these decisions, who's got no footballing pedigree. Uh, and similarly, like people say, oh, Mourinho signed Pogba. Well, Mourinho came in and about a month later, Pogba came in. That's not how transfers work, especially one like that. Um, you know, that's that's being worked on for a long time. Uh, similar with some of the other sort of transfers. Um, so I'm not. Oh, by the way, I'm not absolving Mourinho of any blame. I'm just saying that some of these decisions that are being made are not being made at a manager level because they're being they they're just be, they're being made by Ed Woodward. So they're being driven by money and marketability and that kind of stuff. So the football, the actual football side of things, is second, and that's why you have such poor investment in the team. Um, so you have a lot of money being spent, but it's spent poorly because you don't have someone who knows football kind of creating this plan. In the same way that you do at City, uh, Liverpool clearly have someone doing that. Um, Tottenham, you've got that going on as well. There's a long-term kind of plan, so it, it kind of can come together. Now, in terms of, so I don't, you know, so I think no matter who, so if Solskjaer was sacked over the summer and we got someone else in, let's say, that person will invariably fail as well because there's no underlying footballing there's no the footballing side of things doesn't drive the club anymore i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we're, the culture is completely wrong. And, mm. and and therefore the strategy the strategy is completely wrong and then and then everything comes falls out from that so the glazers do have to go if we want to see the footballing side get get better the path to that i think we're not far off from that you can't squeeze much more out of united while we're so shit um the fans have now got to the point that where maybe they were blinded because beforehand ferguson was putting sticking plasters over it and we were then, you know, the Glazers are shoving lots of money on these marquee signings and, and paying over the odds for, for players. And, 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 and we think, OK, maybe that's going to be good. You know, Mourinho's in. He's a serial winner. That can, You know, we kind of maybe convinced ourselves that these things would we could do the same as what we were doing under Ferguson with this kind of hodgepodge of players that we now have. But obviously we can't. And now you've got Solskjaer in role. And... I think, yes, he's not, let's say, he's not done well, right, in the last couple of months. But, but you'll see way fewer fans, and I'm already seeing it, where so many fewer, they're not blaming him as such. They know that he's potentially been thrown into a situation where he's never going to win. Um, he's not going to be backed. He's just there because he, he you know, you know, who's going to turn that job down? So, you know, ex, ex-Man United footballer, legend, loved by the fans, just gone on some mega winning run, beat beaten PSG away he's been offered the contract sign you know he's going to say yeah but so a lot more fans are now kind of going well actually sack this off it's got we've got to start targeting Woodward the Glazers and I think that's slowly going to happen but ultimately that's not going to matter it's going to be what is the balance sheet showing and I think United are at the point where if you're not winning there's only so much more you can squeeze out of them and we're starting to see that with kind of some of the sponsorship deals that other clubs are signing are are higher than ours. We're no longer, we're, I don't think we're the most expensive or highest valued club in the world. Profitability is going to be much lower given the amount of money that we've spent on on, on players' wages and things like that. That's, that is what is going to hurt the Glazers, right? And then... And then when they realize that they need, they can't squeeze more out of it, they're going to have to try and sell. But then the question is, who do they sell to? You know, they, they're asking prices massive. The person who comes in has got a huge amount of money to invest, not just in the playing squad, but in the stadium to make it state of the art. You know, we're falling behind in so many areas that it's actually, there's no route back. Um it will only be when they their pockets are hurt the most that they will that they will go and i'm not as a fan i'm i'm sitting here thinking how can we facilitate that but i have no clue maybe you target some of their key sponsors boycott them or something mm. like that but we've got so many fans worldwide but how do you coordinate that and so many random sponsors <laughs> <laughs> and so many random yeah but you go for the big ones right, right. so you boycott not the big for the ones tractor and, one yeah <laughs> not for the <laughs> tractor one or the the ramen noodles one or whatever else we've got lying around i'm sure we've got like an of, official fridge sponsor or something like that 
yeah but yeah is that is that another way to go you just target a sponsor i don't know i don't know uh, you know walkouts and things like that it's not going to matter if you're walking out or protesting so if you do you I think that's not you where the money that, comes from anymore exactly you've got to hurt you've got to hurt them you've got to see sponsors kind of leaving or you've got to hurt them some other way and look and look we're we're declining on the pitch so it will eventually affect the bottom line it's kind of i think when you look at team successes once you've got a period of sustained success then you've got a, a, a kind of a few years of ability to capitalize on that and a team like united with all the history it actually extends that out and we've got so much history of success that actually the brand is still fairly strong so it'll take time for the kind of decline on the pitch to affect the decline, to affect the kind of ability to make money off it. But it will happen. It's just the nature of it. Yeah, well, uh, going from discussing potential uh, ownership and management changes and potential departures to ones on the pitch, there are a lot of players that might not be at Manchester United this year. So I'm just going to run through some of them, and when I inevitably forget some, if there are more, uh, feel free to bring them up. Um, first, uh, it's been confirmed that Antonio Valencia is leaving, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, then Alexis Sanchez, of about whom there have been multiple articles written that it may be the worst transfer in the history of the Premier League due to cost-to-performance ratio. Also, um, uh, Mendez Lang, the player that scored twice a day, has scored more goals at Old Trafford this year than Alexis Sanchez. Do you think you can move on from him, or is that such a financial burden that it'd be hard to? Oh, I think, I think that's it, right? Who's going to pay his wages? I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, honestly, uh, if I was you, I'd probably just cut bait. I think it's worse to have him there than not. Yeah, I think what will happen is he'll go somewhere else and we'll p- probably pay like subsidize. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Makes so, sense. So uh, just get him out and and that's it. This has happened to a permanent deals before for people that don't know. Uh, City did that to sell Adebayor to Tottenham. They were still paying part of his wages even after it'd be, he had been formally sold. Um, <clears throat> another one up front. The the bright spot was Rashford, but he was a light in the darkness considering. Uh, Lukaku hadn't done very much for months there. Uh, do you think that Lukaku will stay and, and that you'll invest in him long term, or do you think it's time to cut bait? No, I, I, I think look, I, I'm someone who defended him when he first arrived in terms of comparisons with other players, um, but he, he's old, he's just not good enough, and 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 I wouldn't be too upset if he left. Um, you know, I think that again, I saw a, there's been a switch in him. He went from someone who was kind of clearly work wanted to work hard improve mm. do well get better and we saw that in the first season you know he started off like you know scoring a lot of goals and it was I really think he good had 17 his first season if memory serves yeah i mean he started it off doing well and then he had this barren spell in the middle but you could see his game was improving and then he came back this year and he, he was just massive and this year it's just been again very poor very very poor uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he left, and I wouldn't be annoyed. I wouldn't be unhappy about that. Um, yeah. Weird trajectory for all those Belgian strikers. At a time, it looked like Benteke, Lukaku, and Batshuayi was just about the best three strikers any country had. All of them not really living up to it at the moment. Um, the other wing back for you, Ashley Young, seen some not super kind things about him from the United fan base no. for some time now. You think he's sticking he's- around? 
uh, there's something to, to say about today. Like if you look at the team, what was that back four? Was Ashley Young, Smalling Jones? I don't even remember what the bloody back four was, and I was watching it. Smalling Jones, Dalot, right? And I mean, Dalot is the only one that wasn't there under Ferguson in the starting 11 right Other, I mean excluding academy players we didn't have anyone kind of signings in there and Ashley Young wasn't even a good winger like he had a few good games that Arsenal won I remember when we won 8-2 and then he's now he's been our starting right back all season and last season and and oh, sorry last season was left back I mean it's it's I have I, I think he's probably got a really good attitude He's he's got a good work rate. He's probably a good trainer in in terms of um, you know uh, the the example he sets for young players off the pitch and things like that. He's probably a decent bloke, but he's just not good enough. He, I don't think he gets in any other side in the in the league. Like he's not a Premier League footballer. He's just not good enough. Um, and yet he's our he's been captaining us for the best part of this season. And and is a right back. He needs to go. He cannot be in this team next year. All right. The last one on my list uh, is Anthony Martial, who on his day is unplayable, versatile, can play up front or on the wing, but can also just disappear and at times be an actual liability on the pitch. Are you hoping you can like maintain him, see if you can't get a little social magic rubbed off on him in the offseason and him come back and thrive? Or are you thinking, you know, maybe this was already that year? Um. I don't think he's going to go. I don't think I don't think he will. I I I I've got a soft spot for him. Yeah, he's like you say, he's hot and cold, but he's still young. I think he's still got time to get to that point where he's consistent. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I'd I'd be I'd be I'd be disappointed if he left. The other thing to say is. I mean, whilst there are, I mean, I think there are other, well, so many other players that I would get rid of first um, before him. But at the same time, I know that there are a ton of United fans that are really frustrated with him and and, and um, wouldn't be upset if he left. The problem with mm-hmm. that is then you can't, you know, there are so many. I was, I said it earlier that this this group of players, probably the most unlikable group of players I've seen at United since I started watching them. So, but and and I wouldn't really be that pissed off if, I mean, out of the whole squad, I can probably name five that I'd kind of say, yeah, I'd probably be a bit disappointed if they go. And Herrera is also definitely going. You know, again, he's put, he's good attitude, good personality, all that kind of stuff, but he's he's not good enough on the pitch. So I'm not that annoyed that he's he's going. I'm not that pissed off as long as we get a replacement in but you you know you can't trust these guys these this ownership and ed woodward to do that so you know in terms of who would go you've got ashley young needs to go antonio valencia is going Herrera's going um i would get rid of marcos rojo he needs to go jones needs to go you keep smalling just because you can't get rid of so many center backs but and 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 then you have to sign loads more and i think he's done a solid job he just makes He's just really poor in terms of his. He's not a ball playing centre back, and he's not, and he does make mistakes hit now and then. But you keep him in the squad. I think he's kind of, and he's English, so you've got this home, this kind of English quota that you need to have in the squad. That's five players that need to go from the defence and and Herrera midfield, 
Then you've got like Lingard. I, I wouldn't be upset if he leaves. I really liked him last year. This year, I think he's scored one goal. It's just not good enough. And, you, you know, you can... I don't mind that these guys kind of piss about and have social media and, and you know, they've got lives. We've all got lives. We have a bad day at work. We come home and we want to chill, do whatever. But um, there has to be some kind of self-awareness that on a, you know, that there is going to be a little bit of backlash and not from someone like me. Like I'm not going to tweet or message the guy and saying, oh, it's start being personal with my abuse. But you, there's there's a whole fan base out there and a lot of them will be idiots to be honest with you because the general population are generally idiotic right so there has to be a bit of understanding that you can't sit there earning all this money and putting in what looks like really poor effort on the pitch and then popping up on social media faffing about doing all sorts of stuff i I know it makes me sound a bit old but i get it people have lives but at the same time just have a bit of sense about you do you know what i mean um who else would go you, Sanchez got to go. Lukaku, I'd get rid of. Mata, get rid of. Um, Matic, I would get rid of. But then you're left with Pogba and McTominay and Andreas Pereira as your midfielders, and you've got to sign three more. Um, Andreas Pereira, there's one I wouldn't be that annoyed if we lost. Mm. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm listing off the core of the squad. Yeah, it's most um, of them. <laughs> it's, it's most of them, right? And. You know, De Gea, I'd be upset. He's not the best season, but I'd be kind of upset because I feel for the guy. He's been, he's saved us so many times. He's another one who's got so much credit in the bank that I kind of, you know, I criticize him when he makes a mistake because I think that's fair. But you don't kind of just write him off just because his mate had a poor kind of season. Uh, you know, I still love the guy. He's had so much, he's been so important to the club for so long. Um, but like, Someone like Ashley Young, on the other hand, has no credit in the bank. In fact, he's on his overdraft. So anything he does, I just it just riles me up. There is nothing that he can do that will change my opinion of him as a footballer. Mm. Right? He's probably a decent bloke, but footballing wise, he just needs to go. I've list. I think I've pretty much listed. Uh, uh, not Rashford. Um, not Shaw. No, I think you keep Rashford. I think Shaw you named because- just everyone else though. So De Gea you keep, well, I would keep just because mm-hmm. I like De Gea, I like De Gea. I think he is the best in the world on form. He's just had a shit season. Um, Shaw you kind of keep because he's He's your player okay. of the year, apparently. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he's okay and he's our only left back. You can't, you can't, and, and, you, and I don't think we got anyone in the reserves that can come in. Um, I, I would keep Pogba, like I said earlier. I think he's our best player, but he's obviously up and down. So the thing with Pogba is everyone expects him to be this kind of, you can stick him in any side and he can be great. No, he, he need, he, in, in, a, in a decent side, I think he makes them exceptional. In a shit side, he just will be up and down, and that's what we've seen. Um, but So Pogba, sure. De Gea, Rashford you keep. I think he's got lots of potential. I think he's. He, I saw a change in him too a little bit, and I've heard about it as well. Read about it that his ego's got a bit too big again. Not again, sorry, because he was just this kid and whatnot, and now his ego's a little bit big. He needs to get back to basics and think about what he's doing. Um, McTominay, you keep just because. Again, he's he's solid. He's not a brilliant footballer, but you keep him. Marshall, I said, I'd keep again. On and off, he's been very good. 
but I, you know, that's six players that I'm, and not, and none of them are kind of like, you, you have to keep them. Like if I, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost Paul Pogba, but I wouldn't be devastated either. You know, he's not, it's not like Brian Robson or Roy Keane we're talking about here. He, mm. You know, he could be as influential uh, in the long term if we built or if he, if he applied himself a little bit in a different way, but then that's not his game. So it's like, you, you can't blame him too much. Um, well, you can and you can't, you know, I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, but basically these, there's six players there that I've named and not one of them is kind of just like, only De Gea I'd be upset if he actually did go. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it tells you a lot about the squad yeah. and where, and I don't think many, and look, and all out of all of those six, it is only De Gea that I think most United fans would be upset if he left. But there are quite a few who, who have said, well, you know, he's actually had a poor season. If he was to leave for a lot of money, they're not even that bothered. So like you could, there's not really that many in the squad that people would be upset about. Rashford may be the other one because he's homegrown, but there are loads of people that slag him off as well. So it's kind of like, it's one of those, the, the squad is just a shambles, basically. Oh, Lindelof. Sorry, Lindelof. Oh, huh. he, was, he was my player of the season, and I didn't say <laughs> Lindelof. Yeah. Yeah. He's young, developing, good, good talented defender. Um, all right, well, if you have what sounds like 20 of your 25-man squad leaving, um, there would definitely have to be additions, but instead of kind of going through all of them, what, what would you consider your number one position of need heading into the offseason? So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I would be okay with getting rid of that many players, promoting the likes of Mason Greenwood, Angel Gomez, uh, Tahith Chong into the side. Um, apparently, we're signing. There's this uh, Swansea kid, Daniel James, who's the right-sided, left-sided yeah. attacker. So that kind of covers your attacking areas, and I would, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, not because I think they will be amazing next year but they're young they're they'll grow together that you'll get the work rate and stuff i would say center back um definitely like just the the shambles at the back it's just unbelievable i would say definitely center back um central midfield we've lost under herrera um i don't think matic is good enough I don't think Andres Pereira is good enough. And Scott McTominay, again, I think he's solid, but and he's, he was my young player of the year, but I don't think he's long-term good enough either. You, 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 and we're all, we're, we've talked about Pogba might be leaving, so central midfield is a big area as well. Um, fullbacks as well, probably. I like Diogo Dalot, um, but I don't know that, you know, I'll, I would play him ahead of Ashley Young every game. But we don't have a lot of depth in those areas. Valencia's leaving. I'm hoping Young is leaving. So, you know, fullbacks. And and like I said, Shaw, I think, is okay. But he's not top level. So rather There's than a, a specific there. position, you just kind of want to get younger? Uh, no, I think definitely centre-back and central midfield, I would say, are the two areas. If we don't sign a centre-back and a central midfielder who's, I don't know, whatever level, um, they can be young and up, upcoming. Like, for example, if you know, it's not about the age. Like, Delic, for example, I'm not saying we will get him. He's 19 years old, but you can. He's kind of like I'll, I'll say he's someone like Mbappe, right? You know, he's going to be good. 
and is already yeah and they're only gonna get yeah, better yeah even though he's 19 and um, you know there's you, you could shell out money and he'll come in and he'll hit the ground running and he'll do well i'm not saying we sh- we will sign him but so it's not just about the age it is it's about attitude and uh leadership i think he brings that we've seen it for in terms of how he's how he's captained ix um it's about it's also about getting the right players in in terms of um like I say attitude um and they want to grow and and come into the squad and do well so like i think people have talked about like Wan Bis- Aaron Wan Bissakra Crystal Palace yeah yeah i think he's i think he's quality quality right back and uh i'd i'd have him in this side he's going to come in it's a step up from palace uh you know he's he sh- you're not buying him for his kind of he's not like we're not he's not high profile you're buying him because his quality is young he's going to work hard you know that would be a good signing for me um in central midfield uh you, you know you're talking you know madison he's good he's a good player i think you know someone like that can come in work hard get better and better as well as he develops you know not uh, not necessarily big egos big names and marketability but players that you can that will come in and grow and develop together, uh, that you know, a bit basically a bit like what Spurs have done and what kind of Klopp has done. Uh, you know, he's mixed it up as well, obviously, because he's brought in Van Dyke, most expensive defender in the world, Allison, most expensive goalkeeper in the world. But he's brought in like Robertson was on the cheap, wasn't he? Joel Matip on the on the cheap. Uh, he's used Milner. Um, you know, and, and then he's brought in some of the youth team. So, you know, that kind of thing. And and Tottenham as well. You guys have you haven't spent uh I mean you had that bail money which you spunked on all sorts of random players, but you haven't like gone out and bought superstars. He's you've kind of molded them together and they've grown and developed together in that side. So that's what I would want to see. Um unless it's Lionel Messi, then obviously you just go and get him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really what we're leading with is uh Messi to United. Um if, yeah. if if you make those changes to the squad, and assuming that Solskjaer is still there, which I imagine you're you're thinking he will be, what do you think the expectations uh, would be for next season? I think well, I, from the fans, I don't think you're going to see very high expectations. I think there's a realization that there's a lot, um, a lot wrong at the club. So and actually. I think there would be the main expectation is we just don't want to play rubbish football. Like we want to see players putting in a shift on the pitch. Like you're as talented as you are. If you're not working hard, you're, you're, you know, work rate will beat talent every day of the week. If you're not putting, if the talent isn't putting in the work rate if that, or whatever, you know what I mean? So that's what you want to see. You want to see players who care about playing for Manchester United, as opposed to, um just collecting a paycheck and and being and and sort of the the kind of other things around the club so but expectations well i don't have any expectations i mean it's it is early to say if we were to make have a good transfer window i i don't know i, I still don't think that there will be much for us to play for next year uh top 4 will be a target as opposed to an expectation certainly don't expect us to be challenging for the league Europa League will be a distraction again. Um, I don't know how we'll approach that. 
we'll see. I just think that at the moment, and this is why, early, again, I alluded it to, to it earlier, at the end of every single season since Ferguson has left, there's been some kind of semblance of hope as to, oh, the next season might be better. Uh, this season, there isn't that. I don't feel it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, hopefully for your sake, uh, things do improve. And if you are going to spend big money, hopefully you spend it well instead of just on big name players, uh, as we kind of discussed earlier in the, the Woodward era. Uh, but for now, that will do it for us. Uh, so tell folks where they can find you over the summer. Cool. Cheers for having me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Doc underscore Joshi. Um, I will be making i do make some appearances on youtube channels of full-time devils uh obviously this podcast and and other little things but yeah twitter is the best place to get me all right well thanks again uh good on you for sticking out this very weird season for Manchester united and hopefully it goes better for you next year Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.